your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 140. That's where we will spend our time this morning. And hold on, let me get my stuff together here. Um, all right. Um, we have 10 Psalms left. And this happens to be one of them. Each week as I get to my studies and I, I, I look through my, my books and I just recognize that we're getting so close to the end of this uh, long four plus years in the Psalms. And I start to get emotional when I think about it. And that's just, uh, that's just me. And it's, it's, we are certainly on the tail end of this long journey through the Psalms. And I'm so grateful for all that God has done. Um, in my life in, in the last four years through praying the Psalms and through learning how to pray. And it's been one of the greatest things I think that I've ever done uh, in my spiritual life. And it's been a, just a tremendous blessing. And I think that the, the good news of the gospel, the, the full goodness of the gospel has been prayed over and over into my heart during this time. And I, I believe it's been prayed into all our hearts. It's taken a a long time for it to seep down into the recesses of my heart, but it has, I believe. And prayer is becoming a part of uh, who I am and a part of who we are as a church as well. I think we have the, the beauty, uh, you know, at our church of praying for one another over and over through the years. And we've seen, think, I mean, if we think about it, we've seen many of these prayers answered each and every week, as we've just seen over the years, and we started praying for one another, uh, God's done some some amazing and powerful things. And I think it's proof that each week we engage in this powerful act for one another. We pray for one another. And there are ways in which we've seen the prayers answered, and then there are ways when they are answered and we don't see them, and then there's prayers that we prayed and we saw God not answer them because He just said no. God has done some pretty amazing stuff in our midst and just uh, through through these prayers. And I believe that he is con- going to continue to do this over and over again through time as um, as he it's, it's as if he's building a platform for us for grace and mercy, a platform of prayer that we get to stand firm on as we learn to spiritually uh, enter into this fight uh, of for the time to come. But yet. Even in that, I say that in the, the last 10 Psalms, uh, we have a bit of a recap. We have a bit of a recap of the last 140 Psalms. And we've prayed many of these prayers or types of these prayers. Some of them over and over and again. Some of them we haven't prayed for a long time. Like the word Selah shows up in today's prayer. And we haven't had Selah since I think like Psalm 68 or something like that. I mean, it's been a long time since we've even looked at that word. So we see some of these things come up in these last 10 prayers. And I am super excited for it because it allows it to sink in just a little bit deeper and kind of solidify itself as we get into it. But as we get into Psalm 40, let us just pray this um, prayer. Uh, let me pray this prayer over us and then we will we'll get to it. Psalm 140, to the choir master, a psalm of David. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongues sharp as serpents and utter 
And under their lips is the venom of asps. Selah. Guard me, O Lord, from the hand of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me, and with cords they have spread a net. Beside the way they have laid snares for me. Selah. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot, or they will be exalted. Selah. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slander be established in, not let not the slander be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man speedily. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. And here, the first line of this prayer gives us the type of prayer that it is. And we prayed this over and over and over again. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. And I don't feel like I need to go into a ton of detail on like different types of evil, but or, or to show that there are evil people in this world, I think that we all kind of know this. I think that we all have seen this. There are those who hurt, and they do so intentionally. They come to destroy us. Some of these people are leaders of countries. Some of these are leaders of providences or leaders of cities and villages. And then some of them are just leaders in, in streets that they roam. And some of these are even in families, or, or they could even be spouses, and there are those who are no longer, or there are those who are no longer trapped by their childhood experiences, their childhood abuse, but they have totally given in to the hate that has consumed them, and they are willingly resigning themselves to a life of violence. I'm a pretty big believer that of these people, uh, most of these people have really sad stories. A lot of them have a lot of hurts that have gone on in their childhood. A lot of them are just in really bad places. They've had evil done to them. And it's just what they know. But that isn't an, isn't an excuse for the violence and pain that as they grow up that they inflict on others. The cycle of abuse will not stop with them if they don't try and stop it. And we have, um, so we, as those who maybe aren't them, like have hope for the next generation. Maybe it'll stop here. Maybe it'll end with this next one. And evil men and women can take many forms, right? They, they, can, they can be politicians or even corporate bullies. They can be teachers or even janitors, they can be nurses and doctors. They can be firefighters and policemen. They can be drug dealers or pimps, pornographers or johns. They can be authors or movie stars. They can be husbands or wives. They can be mothers or fathers, brothers or sisters. 
Too often when we say evil men, we leave it to men like Hitler and Pol Pot and some, someone on that level of evil. But evil men and women operate on different levels. We all have real enemies. It isn't just Satan and his demons. The sin that has been set into action in this world has consumed some people. And they just love their evil and they love their sin. These enemies are doing the will of Satan. But if, if you will, uh, Satan has come to what? To come to steal and to kill and destroy. And evil people love these activities. They love them. But again, not all evil will work in the same way. Some kill and destroy in the physical realm. Right? Violence is done to a person's body and, and, or stolen physical goods or dropped bombs or shot somebody or something like that. Some steal and kill in the emotional realm. We can see that there is damage, like real damage done to person in, in the realms of emotionally controlling another person. But we can, in, maybe some damage has been done to us that we, you know, we haven't been beat up, but we've been emotionally manipulated. Or we can see that those, that, that people have done this relationally as well. They simply destroy friendships. They get in there, they spread lies, they do damage, and they don't have any lasting friendships because they just steal, kill, and destroy any friendships that they enter. And then we also have those who do this financially. They simply want more for themselves. They want more gain. They want more money. They don't care how they're going to get it. And so they come and they steal and they kill and destroy. But I'd also be remiss to leave out, if I left out, those who steal and kill and destroy spiritually as well. There are evil men and women who simply want to trick people out of following Jesus. They want to steal and to kill and destroy the soul because they don't care about spirit, people's spiritual well-being. They, lead, they could be uh, Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter. They could be spiritualist or not. That doesn't matter. There are people who, who proclaim spirituality for their own gain, for their own power trip, for their own way of controlling things, and they will mislead people for their own gain. There are those who have done this to come to kill, kill and steal and destroy. Now, when I'm talking about evil men and women, we're talking about those who are like snakes. Their tongue is sharp. They're oftentimes sneaky. They're deceitful. They're full of poison and venom. That's why I love the language in this psalm. They are snakes that are like the deaf adder. We prayed about the deaf adder earlier in the Psalms. And this is a snake that can't be charmed. It's a snake that won't be tamed. They refuse to be persuaded any way at all. And we know that there are snakes like this. But we also know that when we're being honest, that there are people like this. There's nothing you can do to persuade them out of their evil and their sin. And it makes us sad. I'm not saying that there is no hope, but our hope isn't in these people cha being changed. Our hope is placed beyond that and placed on Christ. So then I ask, as we come to this, what do we do when we encounter these type of evil men and women? This is something that we get to ask and this prayer has at least a part of an answer for us. We do this. We pray. 
we realize in the humility that we can't change them. That our words and our heaping on of, uh, of wisdom on them, that none of that can change them. That our words and weapons are useless in these situations and with these particular people. And sometimes in this world, not even the law will help. You can't call the cops because sometimes the, the law is part of the problem. At the end of this first section of the psalm, we have this word Selah. And like I said, we haven't been there for, we haven't looked at Selah in quite a while. And we'll get there a bit more in depth in the weeks to come. But this is a word used to indicate pause. It's like a musical pause. So we can, and it's given so that we can spend some time thinking about what we just sung. What we just said. And so, and this is right because this psalm is directed to the choir director. It's a song of David. This is a worship song that we are meant to sing together. That, we, that God will heap ashes on their coals and make them stop, that, that evil will no longer continue in this way. So Selah means that we get to stop for a minute and think about the evil men and women that are in this world and we get to pray for them. We get to pray for them and make sure that their lives aren't perpetrating our lives. They're not doing harm to us. And they're not trying to destroy us. So that means that we pray and we stop and we think. We think about the problems of evil men and women and so we pray. And not only do we pray for them, but we ask for God to guard us, to deliver us, and to protect us from this evil. We pray, and as this prayer is, being, is praying, that evil will simply end. One way or another, Lord, we know we can't do it, but we want this evil to end. We ask for God to hear us. Amen. God, will you please hear us? And we ask that he gives his ear and that as his ears are open to our prayers, that we will move him into action. And we know that his action is always righteous and just, unlike the things that we are currently seeing. In verse 4 and 5, we ask God to guard us and preserve us. And in verse 8, we ask that evil plots will not succeed against us. In verse 9 and 10, we ask that the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Or we can say it this way, that lies catch up with them and just simply overtake them. And that burning coals come over them. And that they fall into a pit. In verse 11, that their slander will not be established, that their lies won't take hold in our lives, won't take hold in anyone's heads or hearts, and that their own evil will simply hunt them down and destroy them. We ask God for these things. Uh, it's not a prayer I've often heard in church, amen? You haven't heard this too often prayed by super-duper nice people, but this is how the Bible is teaching us to pray. We ask God for these things. Now, at this point, we worship God, who He is, and all that He can do. He can do this and more. The truth is, we worship a God who can walk on water. Amen? He can defy laws of physics, and He can walk on water. And He is, is um, 
we serve a God and worship a God who can make blind men and women see again. And physically, spiritually, emotionally, all these things that can see again. We worship a God who can just speak and the lame can rise up and walk. We praise a God who cares for orphans and widows. Not only that, but he clothes the flowers of the fields and feeds the birds with good food. We praise a God who sent his one and only son to come and die for us so that we might live with him forever and ever. Amen. And we praise a God who not only that, he can rise up from the dead. And you know what else he can do? Change hearts of stone. Make deaf adders hear. He can change hearts of stone and make hearts of flesh. He can take the deafness in people's lives and soften them so that they can hear His words and hear His call. I believe this. Grace is a great weapon. Not all will receive it, but it is a great weapon. And God offers it to all mankind. And in a way... We can just be real honest. We don't know how God will destroy evil in this world. But we know that He can and He does and He will. We know that He, not only can He and will He, but He alone is the one who can do it. No guns, no laws, no social justice movement in and of itself can end the evil that is in this world. Only Yahweh can. Only God who created it all can end this. He is the one who can move mountains. He is the one who can change the hearts and not only change hearts, but give new direction in life. And while we are, all the while when he's doing this, we're hiding. I picture this, this psalm this way. Not only that, but many psalms. We are hiding. We are covered by Him. We are hemmed in all around. He is protecting us. And we are praying while He does the work. This prayer says that God will execute justice for the needy. So you know what we get to do? We get to be needy and we get to pray. We get to stay needy, in fact. We are tucked away in a corner using this weapon that God's given us of prayer. And God is the one acting in this world that He created. We may not understand all that He does or all that He's doing, but we can be sure that God is at work in our hearts, in our lives, in the life of this world. And I'll say this, we need the faith to be built up while God fights for us. Amen? He doesn't always do it in our timing. He doesn't do it in the way that we expect. But remember in the great victory of Jesus, the great victory that was won on the cross, it looked like he lost. He was completely innocent. You read the stories and if you let it surprise you, he was completely innocent and yet he was subject to these mock trials with false accusations, with with people lying about him And then he was flogged and he was beaten and he was battered and bruised. Jesus was stripped of his clothes and nailed on a Roman cross naked. And there was words that were meant to mock him, King of the Jews. And yet he was the King of kings and Lord of lords. So little did they know. So little did they know. Jesus then 
was subjected to further mockery on the, on the cross. And then at last, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, by the way, is in the Psalms. And he said, it is finished. And then he died, and he was buried in the tomb of a rich man. And a huge rock was rolled in front of his tomb. And then armed guard were there left to protect the grave. And then you know what he did? He surprised us all. We thought the victory wasn't won. We thought Jesus was dead and he surprised us all and he rose from the dead. His victory looked like defeat. It looked like evil won and it didn't. Jesus endured destruction. He endured theft and death so that we might be built up. We might be renewed and we might be given life. Jesus' victories don't always make sense to us, but we know that He is victorious. And so we pray. We pray to Him. We ask, Jesus, will your love and your life win out when evil men are fighting against us? We get to place our faith in this, that during the dark days, when it looks like violence or maybe even viruses might be winning, we get to pray that God will have protection in our lives, that Jesus will win, that we will get to fight this through prayer and we can have faith enough to believe that God is going to do these things. We get to ask for protection, for deliverance and salvation from all sorts of evil, amen? But we also need this protection so we don't be the, become the one who gets tangled up in this wickedness and violence and then perpetrates those around us. We are oftentimes tempted to fight back without prayer. Or sometimes we pray that we win and yet we never ask God's will in what we're doing. We just assume that He is with us and yet we have a, tempt we have, um, a proclivity to inflict more violence and false justice in this world. Sometimes it's been done even in the name of Jesus. We need protections, deliverance, and salvation from the evil that is outside of us, but the evil that also lurks within our own hearts. And I pray this for grace and mercy. If I have one word for my own life and for the life of grace and mercy, is I, we get to remain humble. We get to try. We get to strive for this. As this prayer prays, we need to remain needy. We get to remain humble before Jesus, that God will protect us from the evil outside of us as well as the evil inside of us. That God's grace is found in Jesus, and Jesus destroys our will to do evil as we learn to live for Him. The grace and love of Jesus melts away our desires for this evil because we have tasted and seen the goodness of God's grace and His mercy, and His love and goodness are worth fighting for and giving up our own desires for. In the end, our hope will be fulfilled in Jesus. His love, His grace, His actions will be enough to preserve our life and to grant us salvation that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. He is the one who knows justice far better than we can ever think or imagine. He is the one who is equipped to enact justice in our lives and in the life of this world, and we get to trust Him. 
We get to pray and we get to trust Him. And I pray that we may do that with our hearts and our lives. That we will submit to the will of Jesus. So let's fight against this violence. We have a real enemy that's out to get us. And we can pray that this violence will end. And so Jesus, we come before you. We pray that this violence will end. Lord, it'll end in our own hearts. It'll end in our life. It'll end in our world. Lord, we pray that you will destroy the evil things of this world and that you will come and give us life and life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.